0: This narrative that we are helpless and oftentimes the sort of footage, the sort of pictures that come up, if you type the word Rohingya, it's either, you know, children crying or women carrying their babies or women crying.
1: Yasmin Ulla is the president of the Rohingya Human Rights Network. And for the last few years, she's been fighting hard to shatter stereotypes.
0: That is very, very detrimental to the portrayal of us all, because it simply is not going to allow people to move on from the image of who Rohingya are. We are a people full of culture, rich with history. We are a people that before genocide started, we were living in peace alongside with our kind brothers and sisters, regardless of their religion.
1: Mohammed Jamjoum filling in from Malika Bilal, and this is a quick take. Today, we're taking a look at where things stand with the Rohingya, one of the world's most persecuted minorities. In August 2017, Myanmar's military launched a brutal crackdown against the Rohingya ethnic minority in Rakhine State
0: at least 10,000 Rohingya were killed. Hundreds of women and girls were raped. A
1: campaign of mass killings, rapes, and arson that forced close to 800,000 Rohingya across the border into southern Bangladesh. Many rights groups accuse Myanmar's military of perpetrating a genocide. But Myanmar denies those charges insisting its armed forces were conducting legitimate operations against militants who attacked police posts.
0: The future looks bleak for the nearly one million refugees still living in cramped and squalid camps.
1: Three years on, however, and things still haven't improved for the Rohingya, especially not for Rohingya women, many of whom are now raising their voices and demanding justice. The United Nations says that the situation in Myanmar has only worsened three years on and conditions are not in place for their safe return. In this episode, we're talking to Rohingya rights activist Yasmin Ola about the challenges faced by her people. Yasmin, we've seen so much reporting these past few years about just how much the Rohingya have suffered, but could you tell us how difficult it's been specifically for Rohingya women and the kind of trauma that they have faced?
0: What Rohingya women are going through are the continuation of the trauma of the suffering that has yet to be resolved. The poverty that they face, the sort of lack of protection that they're facing in the camps or inside the country or elsewhere where they're not completely resettled. That becomes their cycle of abuse. That becomes the continuation of genocide because it does not just end as soon as they flee. And without a proper um, professional health, those problems will come back and haunt them daily. And that's how trauma work. It works in a cycle.
1: Yasmin was born in the township of Butidong in Myanmar's Rakhine State. In 1995, at the age of three, she fled with her parents to Thailand, where they'd remained for many years as stateless refugees.
0: We actually left Thailand in 2011, but through a lot of difficult time because the Thai authority weren't going to allow us to actually leave Um, without an exit permit. This is the same problem that's happening inside the refugee camps for some of the refugees who potentially could be sponsored into a third country, but it's due to their status not being recognized as refugees. Right now, they're still being called displaced um, Myanmar nationals. And so that hinders uh, the process.
1: Yes, I mean, Rohingya women number over 50% of the refugees in Bangladesh. And yet you don't hear their specific voices and stories as much as you should, do you? I mean, how much frustration is there among women refugees that they feel that their voices just aren't being heard, aren't being paid attention in the camps? and in the outside world, and and how much of a drive is there now to make sure that they get their voices heard and that they get justice?
0: There's no denying it, that Rohingya community is a patriarchal uh, community, just like any other society that exists on this earth. We are having to deal with not just trauma of genocide, but we're also now having to deal with all of the issues that are now rising above the surface. And women are often in the back and not normally voicing their own opinions. First, it was because of the safety issue in Myanmar. And now in the camps, it becomes this sort of like dilemma because a lot of international organizations, a lot of different NGOs, a lot of actors are asking, where are the women? So there are women that are trying their best to actually raise their voices and try to sometimes scream and shout because their voices are, are muffled. They're being silenced through tactics of fear, through fear of not being accepted in the community, through fear of marginalization. There's a lot of structural and cultural issues within this that are at play, but also at the same time, it's a lot more convenient for the international communities to actually engage with men. It is going to take time, but I have a lot of hope that A lot of the refugee women in the camps who are very loud, who are fearless, who are uh, working tirelessly for their own community, are going to eventually be able to have a grip and and be able to lead their ways um, into the liberation of our people.
1: You've been organizing these remarkable webinars and panels featuring, you know, only the voices of Rohingya women. So I wanted to ask you what's that been like for you and what's the reaction been?
0: I remember my own cousin, a 7-year-old girl, texting me right after the webinar saying that I am so glad that I see you and I see other Rohingya women on a panel. And she realized at that point that there is a representation. There are Rohingya women out there who are, you know, doing great work. And I continuously get messages from young women, from teenagers. And I realized that that is the purpose of why we needed more representation of women, wherever it could be, whenever it could be.
1: Yasmin says that media reports too often portray Rohingya women as merely victims and that while they have endured and survived unfathomable horrors, they deserve far greater consideration.
0: These are women who have survived so much of something that are so unheard of, and they need to be respected in that regard. They should not just be victims who cry their head off just talking to reporters. Trauma brings a numbing effect to a lot of people. And to Rohingya women, some of us cannot shed a tear because we are so struck by everything that we've experienced. And making sure that we cry on camera or we are talked about in certain manner is just unfair for the most part. But there's certainly some hope to this. And the reason why I try so hard to Organize those webinars is precisely to fight that narrative, to ensure that the world sees the different side of Rohingya women and actually celebrate them for who they are.
1: And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Ney Alvarez with Dina Kespe, Abigail Oni ohacha Alexandra Locke, Priyanka Tilvey, Amy Walters, and me, Mohamed Jimjum. Alex Roldan was the sound designer. Natalia Aldana is our engagement producer, Stacey Samuel is The Take's executive producer, and Graylin Brashear is Al Jazeera's head of audio. If you haven't subscribed to the show yet, go to this episode's description. You'll find extra information about the topic, but also our social media handles. And for more, just go to aljazeera.com slash thetake. We'll be back.